Exes for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another all-new X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the many adventures of Marvel's Merry Mutants week after week through their many vaunted titles. I'm Nico Action, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And today, we have a double dose of the younger side of the Marvel Universe as we take a look at two different opinions on Children of the Atom number one by Vita Ayala and Bernard Chang, as well as the King in Black tie-in for Hulkling and Wiccan. Now, this has been a long time coming for both of these titles in two totally different ways. The relationship between Hulkling and Wiccan took years to reach this amazing point of being a successfully gay-married couple in comics, and Children of the Atom, as we're going to mention, received sort of endless delays. Now, this first group talking about it includes myself, Maddie, and Nathan, and we focus a lot on the characterization of it all, while in the second segment, Arturo, Kyle, and Jonah focus a lot more on the story, and it's so interesting how two different groups of people can read the same thing and walk away with totally different experiences, but both feel a general sense of positivity and hope for the future of the title. We really enjoyed recording this and we hope you guys enjoy listening. Hey everybody and welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm Nico and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Hey everybody, I'm Nathan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dazzler AOA where I'm patiently, no, impatiently waiting for the new Dazzler Lizzo collab to come out. Hey guys, it's Maddie, and as always, you can find me over on Instagram at the Basely Covetous Man, and over on Twitter at Basely Covetous. I was trying to see if I had a Josh impression, and I'm Josh, but I don't have it. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like yell at the microphone Jesus. and be awesome. That's all you have to do to be Josh, just like yell and be awesome. Okay, so. We're here to talk about Children of the Atom number one by Vita Ayala and Bernard Chang. And this book, just to help everybody understand a little bit what we're talking about, there previously was a series called Children of the Atom, which was a retelling of the original five uh, sometime around 1999 to 2000 by Joe Casey. It's a spectacular book. It's a lot of fun. It's really beautiful. It actually suffered some delays back in the 90s. Funny, I should mention some delays. Because this book, so this book was originally solicited when stars were created. That's how old this book is. It is the cosmic matter that the universe was designed from. I I mean, I'm barely joking, but this book was originally hyped with the original batch of Dawn of X books. As a matter of fact, I clearly remember being at FlameCon. The last flame con that was held. So we're talking 2019 and saying to Vita, we had our tables opposite each other. I was selling Kid Riot. Vita was selling every title in the world. And Vita, I said to them, you know, like, Hey, I, I you know, you just did Prisoner X. There's all this X-Men stuff going on. I'm, I'm hearing some rumors. And they were like, I have to walk away now. I don't know anything. And so like, there have been rumors that Vita was going to be getting this book since August of 2019. It is March of 2021, and we have finally seen the debut of the newest incarnation of Children of the Atom. The road here was long and arduous, and 
as much as Vita has sort of exploded onto the scene, and don't get me wrong, it's always the 20-year overnight success story. Nobody literally comes out of nowhere, right? So Vita's put in their dues, but people might not realize how many years Bernard Chang has been putting in his dues. He has been on books since the 90s, even filling in on an X title in the 90s at one point. So there is a lot of layers and history and revisionist modernism to this book, down to the fact that there's multiple versions of the last page. Now, all of that said, great preamble. I myself am a big fan of the one and done. I like a first issue that gives me everything I need, but this gave me a mystery. Now, a mystery knows how to pull me in, and a mystery knows how to keep me wanting more. How did you guys feel about the mystery? of Children of the Atom number one, as you read through it, this idea that you have no idea what you're going into, and it's going to slowly unfold. How did you guys feel about this? With the mystery on this book, I I hope it's not the mystery that it's pointing to be where they're not mutants and they are children masquerading to be mutants. The story seems a little done lately. I know this probably was before the whole Franklin Richards thing, but especially with the Franklin Richards things going on now. Although if there is one person that I trust to tell an amazing side of the story, an amazing take of the story we haven't seen before, I would trust that Vita, they'd be able to do it. I have a lot of feelings about the upcoming mystery. I have a lot of feelings about this first issue and i feel like i'm down for whatever vita is willing to give me they are an incredible writer that said i must address the elephant in the room i was heavily anticipating this to be chimeras from the gate chimeras from the jump i really was thinking this was okay i mean even down to their names you know who, who do we have here we have gimmick Daycrawler, Marvel guy. But real quick, whenever I hear Daycrawler, I automatically go, ah, every time. <laughs> I can't not fight it. of the Nightcrawler. It's better than it being Amanda Sefton and Kurt Wagner's son. You know? Right? I bet like, every time you, every time someone says yeah. Daycrawler, I'm just like, oh, ah, like it's instant. <laughs> I I I will never be able to unhear that in and I will carry it with me always. But you know, to so you know, Chimera Brain. We got Daycrawler, Gimmick, Cyclops Lass, Marvel Guy, and Cherub. And I I had just gotten through the cold open of this issue. I get to their names, I'm introduced to them for the first time, and I'm like, yes, this is it. Moving the agenda forward. And instead, we got what turned out to be really wonderful and poignant teen drama. And I was pleasantly surprised. I was not expecting this issue to zig where it zagged when we finally dismount from all of the action and we're set back in Corbo prep. I was really not expecting that, but geez, you know, I don't know as far as, as far as why can't they use the gates? I'm, I'm down for the ride. I can't posit a guess. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's fair because all of my reasoning, like fan power behind why Kate Pride couldn't use the gate, that was all wrong. So (laughs) I'm like, Ooh, she's a Neo wrong. And I have a sort of weird take on this book that I, I want to discuss because every Every room is talking about this, right? We're all talking about Children of the Atom this week. You know, whenever there's a new number one, we like to get a lot of perspectives on it. And I have a really specific perspective on it. And I I mean this all very complimentary, right? So hear me out. Everyone who writes a story about a character that they did not create is theoretically writing fan fiction. So when I use the term fan fiction, I use it 
meaning any writer who did not create the property. I do not mean it with a negative connotation, nor do I mean it insultingly. We all, in some way or another, are fan fictionists. We can't help it. And if you enjoy an issue of X-Men after Stan Lee, you enjoy fan fiction. Right now, whether or not you apply that exact definition across the board universally, that's neither here nor there in rights holdership, whatever. But we've all kind of written that X-Men story. We've all kind of fanficked the X-Men in that way, one time or another, whether it's a, pa- a passing thought or it's a deep dive in our own hearts and, and we think about these characters and we design them and we write it and we keep it in a notebook that we keep under our bed in a blue Trapper Keeper binder that has three rings and also two pockets in the front to hold folders. You keep it wherever you keep it. And the thing about this book in particular is this feels to me for the first time, like a true bit of original fan fiction introduced into the X-Men. When you think about the other teen titles, they are so frequently set at the school or a similar mutant school. When you think about the spinoffs that focus on Morlocks, well, they focus on the Morlocks, and that's an existing thing. For my money, as much as I love so many of the inventive ideas introduced into the X-Men over the years, a lot of them are a lot of them stem from the same idea in the first place. This is the most original X title since Joe Casada and Josh Middleton's NYX. Huh. Hmm. Okay. This is the first time that it's not just a sort of rehash of what exists, but rather this is the first time somebody said, okay, but if I could do anything to the X-Men because now they're this thing, this is my counter idea. And it's the first time we've had a truly original infusing for a concept in quite some time. You know, that is that is absolutely something that I can I can get behind. That's something I can agree with because I wanted to take a moment to applaud Vita's finding of the voices of all of the classic X-Men on the Summer's Habitat. Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Storm, Gene, Scott really captured their cadence in such a way that grounded the book for me, uh, complemented only by Bernard Chang's incredible rendition of the characters themselves. But Vita's voice really, you know, I don't want to say Vita's voice shone through. I would say Vita utilized the unique and individual voices of these characters to ground what is, as you put it, the best piece of fan fiction we ever could have hoped for. And for me, that that whole thing you just said, like I've, this isn't Vita putting their voice into these characters. It's Vita as the filter for these characters' voices, which is why you get such perfectly in character moments that only Vita could come up with. Like you always get so formal when you're uncomfortable. Like, oh my god, if anyone deserves a Storm solo title, it is Vita. And we saw that in New Mutants 13, and we see that now here. I completely agree. And, you know, it's funny, we just did X-Factor earlier today, and we talked about the bitch and pool room. And here we have again, the X-Men playing pool like they're about to go hang out at Harry's. And Like, like, cool. It was just so cool. It was cool playing pool by the pool. It's so cool. Like, is pool the new baseball in X-Men, like... You know, like, they don't need to... you think there'd be a baseball field somewhere on that island. But, like, oh, my God. Uh, the one thing, talking about that scene, just, like, the art, it, it's on page uh, 17 of the digital. Just the art going into it, the the shot of the moon, the way it's drawn, looked, reminded me a little bit of, like, I felt like it was an asteroid M kind of thing. I felt like it was, like, one of those scenes in uh, Pride of the X-Men when they go to the asteroid. Yeah. If we're all jumping in with something that's a little apropos of nothing, can I just say uh, thank you to Vita and thank you to Bernard for giving me... The- 
the cosplay uh, thick daddy of my dreams in Marvel Guy. I didn't realize I needed that, but my life is 200% better for it. Uh, yeah, that is a look, and I am here for it. He's like sexy lemon lime luchador. I'm I'm really about it. Yeah, I kept thinking that he <laughs> was it. basically Marvel Boy meets Hydra as a luchador. And like, because there's a little bit of Hydra to it. Not a complaint, but like, eh, maybe he found a Hydra costume. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, yeah. But like, <laughs> I love what you bring up because you bring up how great these fucking looks are. These looks are fucking great. They could have been such kind of – I like, I'm not coming at anybody, right? Because there's no reason to ever come at anybody. But I do feel in the last 10 years, we've gotten a lot of, look how we've merged these two characters into a new thing, right? We get a lot of that sort mm. of um, – I almost said onomatopoeia. That, uh, we get amalgam. a lot of uh, portmanteau characters. And I'm so glad you said amalgam. And I'm actually going to keep this all together because the most significant amalgamation period is, of course – the Age of Amalgam, which was when they combined Marvel and DC into one thing. But I was a little kid, and I, it was 1995. I was nine, so I don't fucking know how to say amalgam. So as a little kid, I thought it was amalgam, and oh. um, so I always wanted to read my I always wanted to read my amalgam comics, which turns out as an adult, I was trying to turn it into the word anal. But anyway, so. <laughs> You know, this whole, like, squish your characters together and get a cute thing. I mean, we do it upside down, backwards, left, and sideways. All you need to do is take a look at Duck Maul or Darth Goof to know that we love doing that. And in Marvel, in the last 10 or 15 years, we've gotten a number of those, especially with things like the Infinity Warps. And uh, upcoming with this Heroes Reborn that's growing. I'm Look, I'm a Jason Aaron apologist, and I like his Avengers, okay? But (laughs) So I'm really excited for this Heroes Reborn verse. But yeah, it's another, look, we've redone everybody so that everybody's kind of a mix of multiple things kind of thing. And I was really concerned that these were going to feel like Happy Meal toys. I was really worried this was going to be like, check it out. We've combined these two characters by squishing parts onto a figure. Like, I was worried. But man, in motion, these costumes are even better than they are static. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. And and I, I actually went to the first static image and I was like, for as beautiful as these are, first static image being page 32 of digital, I... And it really gives you the chance to decompress with the outfits and to see them for what they are and for all of the nods to the heroes that they're inspired by. But really, to see them in motion, I mean, I think Cherub more than anybody, for some reason, I think his angel-esque outfit just moves so well. It might just be the wings, but if we if we could take a moment, if I could ask a question, uh, does everybody have an outright favorite? Oh, easy breezy. Like, not, I... not outfit, like actual character. Oh, no, no. Easy breezy. Like, I, I don't know why, but initially, like, right from the start, and we didn't know we didn't know her name, so I was calling her Lady Gambit. But gimmick, like, drew me in visually, but just reading the issue, like, I love her character so much. And, like, just the fact that she's the one out there, she's doing all the costumes, she's, like, this great friend to Cyclops last. It's so amazing to me. So, for me, it was absolutely a split between gimmick and Marvel guy. I complete. I mean, look, I am like, I'm sitting here going, how can I get that thick quickly to turn into Marvel guy? Uh, because, you know, what a great way to be the ultimate Gene fanboy. But I thought gimmick really did have a certain like 
she was every badass chick I know that hustles at cons. Mm. Ah. Like instead of making the costumes, it's her making, she's making the cosplays. And instead of them trying to save the world, she's trying to put together the photo shoots. Like she was every badass woman that has ever held together any convention I've ever been to. And I, I really identified with that level of emotional caretaker responsibility that she feels as an obligation to her friends and family. Yeah. I I get that. I I absolutely feel the same way. I a little bit when, you know, because I I revisit these issues several times and on a on a first read I was a little bit like, okay, Cyclops Lass is fine and all. I'm certainly here for her, but the fact that she leads the team, I I'm going to need to see a little bit more. And it's it was really in her interactions later with Carmen with Gimmick that I was like okay this this core friendship is something that i can absolutely get behind the fact that the two of them being so crucial to the team carmen being being an excellent showcase of a hyper competent hyper capable woman of color keeping her team and family together just is is an absolute inspiration and i hope that cyclops last can bring as much to their friendship to their relationship as carmen seems to bring because the gabe of it all seems like it's setting up a little bit of drama between them and not that i'm not here for the drama but i absolutely want their friendship to be what i love most about this over any one specific character it's the carmen it's the gimmick cyclops last for me well i'm completely with you and i'm about to like i'm about to do i'm calling a I'm calling together the council because we're about to have a quick conversation about something you said that like, literally I want to like, I want to like, I'm Captain America and I want to hand you my shield because like, I I've never heard something that so puts my feelings into an organization of words before earn your leadership by earning my trust Mm -hmm. as a reader. That's something I've never realized I need so badly from the leader of my ex books before, but it's why, and I'm going to say something controversial and I'm, I'm ready for it as much as I love her. Sophia was never the leader of the new X-Men Academy X new mutants for me. It was a combination of David and Nori. It's Mm, the people that, it's the people that earn that leadership. And so saying with a critical eye that I want to see Cyclops last earn that leadership isn't a bad thing. You didn't say it better not be a woman. No, no, no. You said this character has to earn my respect and then went on to praise a woman of color. So it's not like you're saying it in any negative way. You're clearly saying, look, if you're in charge of a team of X kids, kids are going to die. Like mm-hmm. there is no team of X kids where they've all made it out okay. And for that reason, if these are the new generation of X-Men, she's about to have young blood on her hands. Is she ready for it? That's a great question to ask yourself when you're reading an X-Book. Can this person lead these kids? Goddamn. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't realize I felt that way, but now I do. <laughs> and so we're all on the same page, and I feel great. Uh, no but truly that is a good point truly though though, i i I think that i do think that cyclops last will earn her leadership position and if nothing else it was her closeness with carmen and the emotional maturity with which her inner monologue handled the compartmentalization of her feelings for the two people that she loves very much being carmen and gabe in in different ways although i'll be completely honest i really stand 
a Cyclops Lass uh, gimmick relationship, but uh, it's yeah. way too early for that. It's way too early for that. I'm just going to back down. I, I really do think that it was the combination of who she surrounds herself with and how she navigates the emotional complexities of being in the predicament that she's in that I was like, okay, you clearly have a head on your shoulders. And it was excellent characterization for a character that we had less than 30 pages to really get intimately familiar with in a team of five. You know, thinking of it a little bit, there's there's echoes between Buddy and actually Scott when he was a really young kid at the Institute too, right? Like he, he didn't maybe necessarily have the experience or he hadn't earned the trust, but he had the desire to do that. So that what he built everything on since i mean if you look at way back to x-men one up until most of the first class issues um he he hasn't really grown into that leadership role so I, i'd love to see cyclops last kind of have that same journey i said i was going to back down from it but now i have one more thing to say about it regarding buddy carmen gabe i really hope that if ever that unfolds that there is a meeting of the minds between the scott gene logan and the carmen buddy and gabe and i really hope it's a conversation between scott and carmen and no i'm i'm so sorry scott and buddy and he basically just says if you can put your ego behind you like you can have it all it's fine um i just really want this so bad give me all the poly just give us all the poly and okay now, I have to, I, I, this is the best conversation we've ever had because there's something so important to understand about legacy. It's awful to say this woman is that woman or this man is that man. Don't reduce anyone's art. But to say that this conjures images and emotions that are unique to the X-Men is to complement this and say that it actually is befitting of the line it is now towing the youth banner for. And I, I kind of want to know which one of these X-Men, these first appearance X-Men, and I know it's way too early because, like, who could have known what Gabby would have become? Like, who could have known our precious Honey Badger would temporarily have to be renamed Scout before she could become Honey Badger again someday, right? Who could have foreseen that journey? So my question is, right now, this second, is there any one of these characters you can already see five years from now? I'll be honest. For me, it is gimmick gimmick already feels like the kind of character other writers are going to line up to get their hands on. Yeah, I yeah, I, I have to agree. I think that gimmick is going to be the mainstay that comes out of this book. If, yeah, if no, one, yeah. and I, I really, I really, in my heart, like I'm looking at it now, I'm looking at their first team appearance on page three of digital and I already don't want to part with any of them. And like part of that is like my separation anxiety and abandonment issues. But that's not mm-hmm. for here. That's for tomorrow's therapy. So looking at all of them, I really could not bear to part with any of them. If I if I had to get rid of one, I think Daycrawler is a little oh. too on the nose with Nightcrawler for me. And I would love to see maybe a costume change. But otherwise, I think they are all immediately iconic. Uh, my easy easy standout like um that i think that'll be here for years hopefully gimmick but see i kind of have the opposite uh thing with uh daycrawler i really really liked it it really it really harkened back to so much of that fun swashbuckling cart that we don't see anymore and it was just really good to see a character embody that 
I get that, and I, I like that his build is, like, halfway between Nightcrawler and a Bamf. Like, I, <laughs> I kind of like this specific fun-size Nightcrawler feeling. And you know what? Now now hearing you say that, seeing him in what most closely resembles the original costume which he was based off of, I although he is his own person, I'm sure, I it, it is really cool to see him, you know, bouncing around all swashbuckly. Okay, I'm like forever calling Daycrawler fun size nightcrawler now, so thank you for that. <laughs> well, and if we're talking about, if we're talking about fun size characters for a minute, I need to make a comment about one of my all time favorite X characters who managed to make an appearance in this book, and it is so far and few between appearances, and you all know who I'm gonna say. Mini Maggot! Mini Maggot oh. appeared! <laughs> it was the best day of my life. I love Maggot so much. Fucking much. If you told me I could only use 10 X-Men and I could write them forever, Maggot is on that list of 10, okay? I love Maggot so much. And to see Maggot appear alongside also way underutilized Pixie, that was another tentpole moment for me. Where I was hey, just that is like, magma erasure there, okay, Nico? That is magma erasure. Okay, you know what? <laughs> That's fair. But in the grand scheme of things, I feel like Magma kind of goes, oh, Maggot, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> and so for Magma to have to be like, I'm sorry, you don't appear very much. Who the fuck is Maggot nowadays? Joseph? Uh, is that what we've reduced him down to? Sabra levels of appearance? Whoa, poor Sabra. I mean, Sabra should be in everything. There are just not nearly enough strong, independent, brilliant, amazing Jewish woman mutants. So Sabra should be everywhere. But, you know, I'm just going to dig that 90s well as hard as I can. (laughs) Hey, Dr. Reyes is appearing. As uh, That was one of my gaps as well. So I was like, the hummus? Why are we talking about the hummus? (laughs) Sabra. Yeah, no, Sabra's the best. I love her. She's amazing. Uh, I had a quick question regarding, and it's a little bit question, it's a little bit theory, considering how long Children of the Atom was in post-production hell before it reached us, and and I'm sure with good reason, but we, we have all been chomping at the bit to get our hands on this book for such a long time. As we've seen recently in The Union, The Union was originally slated to be introduced concurrent with Empire, got pushed back, and was re- release concurrent with King and Black. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that changes were made to fit continuity. Do we think that Pixie, Magma, and Maggot is a first look at some of the new X-Men team that we'll be getting? Or do you think it's just kids using a broad term of the X-Men to refer to these mutes? As much as I can only dream of the former, I have to assume it's the latter, unfortunately. And, yeah. you know, I, I love that question you just asked because it rem- it reminds me of a question we were discussing in the green room. I was discussing this book kind of at length with Josh. And one of the things that we both agreed is that we're positive that in the course of the year between original intended release and re-release, there have to have been changes made somewhere in the book. And there's been some discussion online about maybe a lack of cohesion in the title itself, like in the issue. And I wonder how much of that is due to puzzle piece reconfiguring. Maybe they took the issue apart and put it back together and then had to take it apart again and then put it back together again and then take it apart again. And the final product we got is probably such a changed, synthesized thing. You know, I bring it up a lot, but 
the most famous example I can think of is Age of Ultron took so long in production that they had to draw Emma Frost over all of the Charles Xavier's, which I just want to remind everybody, that means that Emma Frost has the body of an elderly man. So <laughs> uh-huh. they had to draw Emma Frost onto all of the Xavier's because by the time Age of Ultron came out, Xavier was dead. So in order to make that book still make sense, they had to change the interiors. They had to do that with uh, way, way back, Dazzler number one, because uh, when they initially made it, Cyclops was part of the team. So they had to draw Kitty Pride over Cyclops. I mean, they had to redo the art. So. Which means that Cyclops has the body of a 13-year-old girl. This is all tragedy for me. <laughs> so guys, we're on the end of the first issue of what is at least going to be six. How do you guys feel at the end of this first issue? I know that I am thrilled with the voicing. I greatly enjoy the designs, even if the pacing left me a little unsure of the book's future. All I'm really hoping for is this continued sense of emotional honesty and development of intelligent young voices of color and the further diversification of the X-Men line as a whole. I don't have a whole lot of needs from this book. I just have a lot of excitement and hope for it. How about you guys? I, my, the thing that struck me the most about this issue and that I'm looking forward to most for the future issues is just the state of relations between the the regular human population and the mutant population. We got to see a little bit more of it with the conversation, which obviously I keyed into because, you know, they're talking about Dazzler and Lizzo collab, but, uh, you know, just the kids overhearing them talking about, wait, why are you going to go to a Dazzler concert? She's a mutant. You can get, you can become a mutant just by touching them. Like I, I just, just seeing that state of the world and seeing where the humans are. Like, I'd love to continue seeing that and maybe having these kids in some small way, some small way, keep making that change uh, for coexistence, you know, like the, the original dream, you know, they're out there fighting for a return. I'll be honest, I have I have no expectations from this book because all of my needs are being met in a certain regard. But that said, I if I had any one hope for Children of the Atom, it would be that it has the legacy and significance that new X-Men Academy X of the Reload did, that that core team, the the Institute kids of that era. I really think that there is such potential for these five to be around for a very long time. And I'm excited to see the way that their interpersonal dynamics progress and see that we can glean a better insight into who some of them are. You know, that made me realize something. As I'm going through them in my head, X-Men featured no new characters. Excalibur didn't feature any new characters, really. Nor did X-Factor, X-Force, New Mutants. Outside of Cosmar, created in the pages of New Mutants, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot dealing with classic X-Men characters in a new age. This title created possibly more than all of the other books put together, with the exception of the Arakan characters, which... Where the fuck are they? So this book did something no other X-Men book has had to do in two years. Oh my god, yeah, it had to give us the origin story. Wow. So maybe part of what people are reacting to is a very different kind of book in a very different kind of time. (music) 
now we're going to talk a little bit about Children of the Atom. And this was a the most delayed book, I think, of modern comics. <laughs> this was supposed to come out a full year ago. I'm torn between whether or not this delay helped or hurt this issue, but it certainly made for some weird moments. It kind of took us back to, it feels like we're, you know, within a month of Xavier announcing to the world the existence of Krakoa. So there's a little bit of a time rewind going on here. Yeah, what did, what did you guys think of this? This debut issue of these new and lovely kids. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I feel like all of this lead up to it, all of the hype behind it may have tempered my expectations a little too much. And I don't know. I, I was maybe hoping for a little more and I'm, I'm not quite ready to make a, a uh, final opinion about the story just yet. I think that's fair. And I think that's, I think there there's too many people that want to rush to, opinions and critiques and and you know and i think that's that's understandable and that's you know certainly part of why we're here right but i think it's important to give work a minute to breathe and to kind of get its legs and you know so i'm there with you i'm cautiously optimistic i hope it goes in a great direction but i am a little bit mystified by some of the choices here you know it opens and they're fighting with hell's bells and that to me that's like catnip like that makes me so happy that you know i mentioned it in the green room these like 90s obscure forgotten villains bringing them back like 100 percent. i'm there for it that said the art just kind of didn't do what i wanted it to do in terms of action sequences made the fight kind of weird time pacing just ah just a little clunky just a little clunky but then we get out of that and now we take a step into these kids as high school students and it felt more like the saved by the bell reboot yes i think i have to echo you guys this is definitely not the worst thing i've ever read because there have been issues of plenty of things that i've read before that i'm like oh oh no i can't continue this this is no bueno no not not to my liking in any way i for someone whose work that i've enjoyed these past few months whether it's in marauders or in new mutants and the direction that they've been taking this issue to me fell flat in certain areas that i didn't expect it to and i don't know if it's because i have such high hopes and such a high respect for Vita, that their work has made me happy and made me so enjoyable and excited to continue to read things. I'm confused at the direction they took for this title because it felt like a very weird half measure to me between slice of life and mentorship or what have you. I wish that the granted, I can't say where the issue is going, where this entire title is going to go in one issue. That's that's not fair to make an assumption like that. I have high hopes that it can be good and that it can get to where I've wanted it to be when it was first announced but what what I basing off of what I got there was just areas where I needed more I think I needed more character introduction I needed more characterization between these new characters you were introducing I think I needed more dynamic between all of them and I know I'm not the only one I do not like the name Cyclops Lass two thoughts on that one Lass to me is such a 
gendered and anachronistic kind of superhero thing like you say lad or lass and right away i'm like thinking of you know legion of superheroes which kind of feels like retro future kind of thing and it feels very gendered to me more so than like marvel girl or lady mastermind like those are obviously feminized code names but lass is takes it to like another level where it's almost it's it's almost like it sounds like a little girl so i think i i can't help but imagine that that is a very deliberate choice because you know buddy bartholomew is is the character's true name definitely kind of reads you know maybe a little non-binary or just i don't know short hair it, it, i don't i don't want to like you know over generalize things but it was just surprising to see this character's first initial you know impression that that she made on me and then to find out her codename is cyclops last was like huh and then watching her straight up thirsting over cherub slash gabe i think his name is i wanted to bonk and send her to horny jail for the way she was just like lusting after him it was so weird and it felt so heavy-handed that for me i'm like okay there's going to be something here this there's going to be some story here with with this character but i don't know i don't know i mean and and to be honest with you like vita's doing such cool work over in new mutants and has introduced other you know non-binary characters and and characters that they created in prisoner x that have come back you know on onto the page and i think that's awesome so i definitely think you know they're entitled to just make this story about these characters and it doesn't have to be about gender identity either let vito do the stories vito wants to do and i did see some strange discourse about buddy where people you know i don't know i, I we live in a world where all of everyone's expectations and all the constant discourse i think can lead us into some very ridiculous conversations sometimes but also some you know some necessary and good and and fruitful ones as well but yeah there's there's some strange discourse around this character that i kind of feel like guys let's give it a few more issues before we pin all of our own hang-ups and 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 bullshit on on this group of kids that you know seems kind of promising oh absolutely this is a the first issue and these are characters that haven't been introduced before and that we don't know much about and as much as i wish we could have gotten more out of this issue it doesn't mean that that we're not going to get more out of other issues and personally i feel like making very snap judgments off of something like this where we don't have all the information yet and there's still much more to come feels like you're jumping the gun a little bit i've used you know the royal you you know as long as you keep it nice keep it civil you can have questions and discuss things but like let people make the art they want to make and if it's not what you want go make your own art no one's stopping you here here yeah so i agree i while i while i wish that we could have spent a little more time with these new characters because we really only spent a significant amount of time with buddy and carmen i would have liked to have spent some time with Gabe and JJ and Benny, but I think it was also important for us to see the Krakoan mutants reaction to these characters' rigid
rejecting the invitation to come to Krakoa. Okay, which makes no sense to me. I think it is crazy that these guys are diehard super X-Men fans and yet we're not going to go to Krakoa. Like there there needs to be a better explanation for that decision. And I think it, there is. It just well what their families? Yeah, her No, no. It's shown by the the end of the issue where they attempt to go through the portal and they pass through instead. No, but when when the X-Men and l- we need to take a minute to just point out the X-Men here as uh as as portrayed by Pixie, Magma and Maggot, which honestly right there like the price of of the comic book is is paid for just in that panel. Seeing Maggot as, you know, counted among the X-Men is like, okay, yes, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that W for sure because that's great, you know, like Maggot's on on page. That's awesome. But when they basically get the invite, they like just disappear. They flake on on the X-Men. And that just doesn't really make sense to me. The way that I took it was that they've tried to go through the portal before. And they thought that this time was going to change. And they're going to keep trying to get through the portal. But they, they've tried multiple times. That's, that's the way that I interpreted it. See, I took it as... I took it as we're not going because we've got our families here. We're best friends. We're all in high school. We're, you know, filming season three of Saved by the Bell, the reboot. And we can't go right now but then inexplicably overnight now they are seem they seem to be running away from home to go to Krakoa they've got their bags packed they're on the train and you know and they're they're sneaking off to go to Krakoa but they can't get through the gates that to me felt like a surprise and it felt like it was the first time that they actually tried to use the gate so you know I think it's good that we have these questions I think it's good that there's this mystery around the kids there's just some things that right now do not not compute to me and if they are resolved well then great this could turn out to be an incredibly cool story but right now it's uh it it left me a little unsatisfied and a little just like scratching my head like wait so if they're not a fully formed real team how do they have legit costumes and if they have these powers why aren't they mutants and or are they or you know so we've got questions and i think that's that's healthy but i i could have done with a little more focus here i could have done also with if we're going to start off with them in you know in the middle of a fight scene i could have then done with give me some flashbacks give me some you know them discovering their powers like and maybe we'll get to that um but you know as a standalone issue it it, there's a lot of things that just do not connect um something i kind of appreciate even though i wasn't the biggest fan of that series was that they're talking about the events of outlaw where um the government passed law that prevent teenagers from being superheroes and i think if there was even more discourse and discussion about that within the title that these characters talking about what that meant to them that they have this ability to help but because they're young it's considered too dangerous for them or what that means because right now they're kind of vigilanteing it and just doing it on their own but not only is it dangerous to fight to begin with you're also doing it kind of illegally because they are so young and if something does happen to them it 
doesn't bode well for any of these official teams. I hear what both of you were saying, and I think that part of maybe what this issue suffers from is trying to spread itself too thin in that there's not enough focus on the areas we need it to be in or the more interesting areas, and it's focusing on places where just not necessary. Like, I don't know if we needed like these almost 30 pages in the school oh my god I, and there's so four there's four pages in a row that are nine page nine panel spreads and i mean it's gratuitous like i felt like we were in that gymnasium for an hour yeah and i and that's why I'm, i think that if Vita took one direction instead of trying to spread themselves so thin and reaching into all these different kinds of categories, it would have been better because I would have loved, you know, more talk about what, you know, what are the, what are these actual reasons they don't want to go to Krakoa? Why is this the only time that they've ever gone, tried to go through a gate? Because it gets what it kind of feels like, but we don't know that. Talk more about these laws and how they're affecting them of these anti-teenage superhero laws talk about that more you especially when you're for using you're trying to use the voices of teenagers and a younger i don't want to say audience but a younger uh viewpoint talk about that more and what that means and how legislation that either targets them or only affects them and doesn't affect all generations what does that mean to them and i think that's where this book could have been really powerful and interesting but it gave us weird characterization like i kind of feel bad for carmen because it feels like she has to do everything oh <laughs> yeah making tech yeah. and making all the costumes it feels like well what exactly but buddy's clearly a leader and it seems like gabe is very level-headed you know i think this book has a lot of promise i think we're off to a really wobbly start but i will say this like vita's work in new mutants has been so incredible and so transformative for that title in just like three issues that like like Vita's completely won my trust and and my support and I'm gonna I'll keep picking up this book and and see where it goes and I'll enjoy the ride it's not anything I asked for let's put it that way right like it's nothing I asked for and it's nothing that I think I actually need in my life but I'm willing to give it a shot oh absolutely I agree with you I'm interested in seeing where they take things there there were some things that stuck out like this introduction of Cole who everybody thought was incredibly sickly and was in the hospital is now suddenly like super amazing athlete right yeah um and and again why can't they pass through the gate so yeah i'm i'm interested to see where where things go i want to know more about their powers i want to know how much of their power set is natural so to speak whether it's mutant quote-unquote enhanced or how much of it is tech because you know particularly with the character of cherub who seems to be you know modeled after angel he's got wings but the wings seem to be created of energy and possibly like a sonic energy so it kind of like brings to mind um songbird perhaps who who would like create you know uh, energy wings out of sound waves or whatever like i don't know how much of that is his power and how much of it is his super shiny metal suit i've got more questions than answers for sure and i think you know that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just not a satisfying thing 
I I completely concur. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but the other thing about it that I think is a little off-putting is that these kids all just happen to be best friends that go to the same school that have been friends since, you know, grade school. It's just very neat and tidy. And now they all have powers. Like, the whole premise of X-Men stories for me is always, you know, that the teenager that feels isolated or confused about their powers coming through like you know whether it's uh shadow cat slash kate pride or jubilee or any of these other kids that we've seen kind of as like an introduction character you see them struggling with their powers and what's going on and all of this and all of that that makes mutant identity and, and x-men stories interesting and 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 gives it like a level of pathos and and tragedy and and terror and all of that all of that's gone here these kids this really felt more like just you know generic superheroes like like the champions or or something like that it, it it's missing some of that mutant tragedy for me and hey who knows maybe they're not mutes i am sad though that my theory that these were this was going to be the first wave of chimera has been completely obliterated unless there is oh, unless I... there is some crazy reveal where sinister is you know turns out one of sinister's clones is the principal of peter corbo high school and these kids have been running through his little you know simulation for the last 15 years because they're his first chimera some kind of level of of you know diabolical reveal like that i think would be incredible but i'm not holding <laughs> my breath for it Hey everybody, Nico here one more time, and in this next segment, we have Rod, Raven, Evelyn, and Kyle discussing the Hulkling and Wiccan special that tied into King in Black. Now, I loved reading this. This was a lot of fun. It was a really unique perspective, and it was from now veteran Excalibur scribe Teeny Howard and longtime favorite Luciano Vecchio, and featuring letters by Ariana Mar. Now, if you check our Ariana Mar interview from a couple of weeks back, you're going to hear her talk about some of the things she loved working on in this title. So it was really exciting to get to see it finally come out and get to be part of it. As always, if you guys like what you hear, you might like what you see. So don't forget to check us out on YouTube and Twitter at X's for Podcast. If you want to try subscribing to the Patreon and check out some of the awesome rewards, not to mention shape the future of our show, give us a subscribe. And don't forget to check us out on Apple Podcasts where you can drop a review. As always, guys, we love spending this time with you. Thank you for choosing to listen. We love making this show. Until next time, guys, I have been Nico at Nico Action, N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Keep those mutant lights lit. Keep those Krakoan gateways open, and we'll see ya. Hello, and welcome to the next segment of X's for Podcasts. My name is Rod. You can find me at Rod, the, on Twitter and Instagram. And today we have with us Kyle. Hey, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. That's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. Also with us today is Raven. Hey, it's Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento. How do you do? Come over and find me on Twitter. I can't wait to see you. And my favorite person who I almost never get to see, and so I'm so happy to have her on, Hello. 
Hello, Evelyn. Hey, I'm Evelyn, the Comic Canary. You can find me at comic underscore canary at Twitter and Instagram. All righty, Rue. And today we're going to be talking about Wiccan and Hulkling. It's a King and Black tie-in, and it's in the name of the honeymoon. I actually was drawn in by the start of it. I liked the artwork. I loved the way they you, know, you saw the symbiotes like enclosing the captain and crew of the starships and whatnot. So I was like, it was really really interesting and the artwork was really different than some of the other issues of king and black that i've read and then i got to like the fourth page and it it, the art style seemed to have changed again so that that was interesting that happened when i was listening to you say that i immediately realized what was going on because the title of this issue is a sailor moon reference and this is all in an anime style Mm -hmm. so yeah they're they're totally going for the whole anime look (laughs) achieved it definitely achieved Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it I'm not gonna lie, it threw me, me off, off completely um, when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. I and I'm not gonna Null, lie though, I kinda got into really it. Different. You said you kinda got into it, Evelyn? I kinda got into it about halfway through. I'm like, you know what? I don't hate this. <laughs> Maybe that's just Stockholm syndrome. Like I'll just take it's... any of my young Avengers I can get. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. So it's not like my least favorite. Like I like mm-hmm. Luciano's art, you know, mm-hmm, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of him as an artist and a person. Um, I just, when we have a two Kings, one, one, the main King, but you know, they're, they're technically two Kings and they're not teenagers. They're, they're young adults. They're older. Mm-hmm. And, but then you make at least one of them, which is Wiccan look like a straight up 15 year old. For the most right. Yes. Yeah. Make, that make, threw me. Yeah. They make Hulkling look yeah. younger too. But mm-hmm. he's kind of like an alien, so you kind of you can kind of let that go a little bit. You can kind of play with it, I guess. But Wiccan straight up looks like 15 years old. Yeah, I was like, so. that's what threw me <laughs> off because I knew both of them were like grown ass adults and like they're in their 20s and like married and now running an empire and stuff. And yeah, just the very look of it, I'm going, mm, you you look a little young. I'm I'm not you're not quite as 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 buffed and and, and adult looking. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm, I'm very confused. I didn't like, like you said though. I didn't, I didn't hate the artwork. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I definitely agree with with current stuff. How we have like the character development with Hulkling and Wiccan, especially, but most of the Young Avengers is they aren't kids anymore. They aren't young Avengers anymore. They are now Avengers. Mm-hmm. They're full on part of teams now. They're in their early twenties and they're really starting to have more maturity than they have before. So mm-hmm. it's almost a drawback. Yeah, not quite, but almost. Yeah, it was just it. Yeah. It seemed like a little bit disconnected from what we are um, very used to seeing especially when you're doing such a serious story arc as King in Black which has been very dark and very intense and you know kind of Mm -hmm. gritty to say the least so like this kind of turned it and he was like oh oh that was a sharp turn I didn't expect it I'm not mad at it but I just didn't Mm -hmm. expect it yeah this this was almost comical Mm -hmm. it was definitely a lighter look at the events of King in Black and it felt connected 
connected, but at the same time, like it didn't need to be. Yeah. 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 Actually, that's on the money right there. Actually, brings me to a good point is what we've referenced in the union before. I -hmm. feel like it being connected to King of Black actually kind of hindered it because Mm -hmm. it, we could have had this honeymoon. If we're going to do a one shot Hulkling and Wiccan for their honeymoon, sure. Only a one shot. I would have liked an ongoing story, but whatever. If we're going to do a one shot (laughs) and it's going to be about their honeymoon, but we're connecting it to this event mm-hmm. it the honeymoon's not supposed to be serious it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be lighthearted yeah. it's supposed to be a good time and then it's it's hard to balance that with an event already like no mm-hmm. matter who's yeah. writing it or whatever so it was already in for a struggle and i think teeny was trying to keep like that happiness with it especially with mm-hmm. lucina's art but also mm-hmm. be like oh look noel's here and people are going to die if they don't help them but also yuck yuck jokes it yeah it's weird combination (laughs) like like wiccan i mean i know wiccan tends to be like kind of lighthearted and whatnot when he's not like having to be serious and and doing the hero thing but it honestly felt like wiccan was far more concerned about getting some fun times in with hulkling (laughs) rather than the seriousness of of the world suddenly being swallowed by you know the the latex dragons that noel sent or you know people being taken over by symbiotes or anything and i'm like girl i get that it's your honeymoon but you you could be swallowed okay like all these people could die and you're like oh i just want to find some alone time and all this chaos so we can get it on i'm like what especially because that, like, that, that was is a disconnect like, yeah especially because Wiccan his whole personality trait is like super high anxious let's get things figured out not kind mm-hmm. of blase so it, it did feel like a character shift mm-hmm. yeah I would say that's the only character I feel like didn't really get written as themselves in this book because I do love how Hulkling and L'Oreal um, cut the Marvel no it is L'Oreal but I laughed okay. so Okay. hard when I saw that like I'm like oh my god it's a shampoo commercial oh girl. <laughs> L'Oreal yeah, I love She's that name it's comedy it. I love it I love it <laughs> now if for the listeners who I don't know if any <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all know who L'Oreal is. I don't know if you read Captain Marvel's Empire tie-ins, but L'Oreal is Carol Danvers' half-sister. She didn't know about her until recently. They had the whole adventure during Empire, and she took up the mantle of protecting Hulkling, the Empire, the king. So that's why she's in this and protecting him and being so like, I'm going to protect you. Mm -hmm. And I like the way she's written, and I really love how Hulkling's written in the fact that he's like, I'm an emperor. Like, I need to be, you know, like, Wiccan, yeah, 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 I love you but i have to do my job like people are counting on me Mm -hmm. this is the first time this has all happened if i if i Mm -hmm. mess up then i'm messing up like the whole entire galaxy yeah so he's like i'm doing and he i feel like that he they may have him do a good job at that i I appreciate that yeah Yeah. i definitely agree with that seeing him take on that mantle of responsibility and Mm -hmm. being serious about his duties it it really felt like it was a good movement into solidifying his him as the emperor of the crease scroll empire i actually appreciated the way they wrote his character being you know slightly more serious yes he's like oh honey i know and i swear we will get away we will we will have fun we'll, we will have fun i mean we will do our thing but you know like if i screw this up it could really set us back like hundreds of years and there's already been too much of that so 
I have to do this and I absolutely love you, but I have to do this because this is now my mental, this is my duty. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I love the fact that L'Oreal actually sits there and is actually trying to, you know, coach him a little bit and give him some background. Here's what needs to happen. And then, you know, she comes along on the honeymoon to make sure that they are protected and safe and whatnot. Although when when the Shi'ar uh, diplomat came in and, oh, it seems like you're a very good emperor. We never <laughs> seem to get along with them for long. I'm like, oh, girl, you just, you throw shade? Are you hoping to get punched in the face? It's like, very shady. It's very shady. So much shade. But yeah, like the fact that he uh, offers them a week on the resort, you know, all benefits included. Da, da, da. I'm like, I would have brought an entire cadre on yeah. that show. Like a food taster. Somebody to lay in the bed for me first. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. I don't trust that. No, they're, not they're, at all. They're way, they're way too trusting. I was like, that's mm-hmm. why Laurel was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't go by yourself? Like, what are you talking about? You're yeah. the king of the Shi'ar and pre-union. Like, what? what? No, <laughs> yeah, can, we, like, yeah. can we appreciate the fact that she does get into a bikini and has a cocktail at one point? She's like, yes. she's got the giant oh. hammer and she's ready to fuck shit up if she needs to. But she's going to have a goddamn cocktail while she's doing it and i appreciate it (laughs) so much that's one of the things i really appreciate about lucino's art is he does draw the characters like even though they're cartoony he draws all them sexy Mm -hmm. he gives them good bodies and i was like they look really good like they've they've definitely been keeping up with their workouts all right Right. (laughs) she did not skip leg day no 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 And I love the fact that she's got this giant, you know, she's an accuser. So yeah, of course she has to have that, that big hammer with her, but like she just carries it and just, it's always with her. Like it it felt natural. Mm -hmm. Not like it was like, Oh, I'm trying to be super imposing or like it, it just didn't quite fit the character. No, it was, it was wielded and drawn in such a way that it really felt like, yeah, this is part of her character. And she just felt like she seemed to be like really at home in her skin, whether she was in full garb or whether she was in the bikini always, it was just, it was so well done so i appreciate that so yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely I, I gotta say we got let's let's all with with all of our constructive criticisms and they are mm-hmm. valid let's all take a moment to really appreciate that we actually have like a married gay couple being mm-hmm. the kings of space and actually like having a one shot and it's mm-hmm. not and they like are like you know kissing each other and like being like everything with each other being like in like swimsuits and laying with each other like having all these moments with each other mm-hmm. and it's just it's just it's just you know it's just quote-unquote normal it's just a yeah. regular thing yeah, yeah. It's, not, yeah. It's, it's not it's not like saying like oh yeah we're gay we're gay we're gay no it's not like it's just like it's hey, not their together. personality yeah yeah like yeah. and that's always my criticism when we have like the gay character like that's why i get really annoyed at iceman right now because i love iceman but it's just like his personality is just like the party gay twing and it's like that's mm. not a personality yeah. trait like <laughs> whereas <laughs> these guys are just like yeah we're married but we're also incredible kings of the universe and we're just doing Mm -hmm. our normal stuff Mm -hmm. and i like the fact that nobody else in the resort or even l'oreal or any of the subjects remarks on the fact that it is a gay couple everybody's Mm -hmm. just like okay doing the thing like everybody i'm like thank you yeah because that's how it should be it's you know that's not their end all be all is not oh we have to be gay it's the oh okay you're two competent people getting married cool let's do the thing (laughs) 
I'm like, yeah. And honestly, I would find it really weird if they did have the space people say something about that. Because I mean, like, right? people, they're, they're like, quote unquote, aliens. They're aliens to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> would they, they, they don't have really, they don't have human anatomy. They, get with, they don't even really have genders, technically. Some of them do. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of them do. But, like, some of them don't. So they yeah. don't really consider, like, gay, straight, or anything. Like, that's mm-hmm. the way biology works. Right. Like, bi- like yeah. gender and sexuality and, like, sex or organs and everything it's different for aliens like it's incredible it's like (laughs) it's that's what just it always baffles me when people are like star lord straight i'm like he's been banging aliens this whole side of the galaxy like (laughs) there's nothing straight about that like (laughs) no no Mm -mm. And for all we know, the Shi'ar may, I mean, they they are uh, descended from bird type aliens. So, yeah, they probably lay eggs or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, bird people, cloacal openings. There is no, like, (laughs) major sex organs on most birds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so with the Kree and Grohl, I mean, they shapeshift. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the Kree remind me of, like, Spartans Mm -hmm. for our time. So, Spartans were mostly gay. They just had, you know, people that had like um, more like fe- like female organs or that just to make like babies. Yeah, for the most well- part. I mean, so. <laughs> well, with Spartans, they were, there was like much more equality. It wasn't perfect equality, yeah. but there was like much more equality. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they expected their women to be hard too. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they weren't worried about, you know, you need to be soft and petite and femme, and then you have to be hard and strong and masculine. No, no, no. They were like, no, everybody's hard. Let's do this noise. <laughs> <laughs> that actually right. brings to a good point of this, this whole one shot. Like, it's about Wiccan and Hulkling, but I'm glad. Um, um, picking of women that Laurie L a character that got just introduced and she's like the new executioner now I'm glad that she gets a spotlight in this too and that she's not she's shown that she has power and she has you know intelligence and she can mm-hmm. she's helping them along the way without her they wouldn't have made it either so I'm yeah. glad that mm-hmm. she has that position in this story as well yeah I, and they respect oh, her, her. she really did yeah she is yeah. a great advisor for both of them mm-hmm. not only did she do her job she was was very you know serious about it and you know even like even when they gave her a command like that's exactly what she would do she's like okay i'm gonna go get the spaceship like you asked me to i'll swing it around we'll get this done oh crap stuff is really going sideways i gotta make sure that you're all safe because this is (laughs) not it but yeah like they made her competent you know she wasn't just you know purely oh yes your highnesses i shall go and do this she's like oh no that's stupid we're going back to save your ass like she was competent she was well versed in many diplomatic situations so yeah i was i i loved that and (laughs) she did have a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor because you know they're Mm -hmm. like oh uh i i invited somebody else to come on in and she's like da 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 Look at the bot. There you go. It serves you drinks. I'll be gone. <laughs> yeah, that was really Yay! nice. Yeah, that was a nice. That was so a nice sweet. ending. Yeah. Um, but going on a little bit before that, I want to point this question towards Evelyn, but everyone can answer it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Wiccan changed their outfits into this light um, costumes, Evelyn, as like the one of the main cosplayers on this channel, what'd you think of that? How'd you like those light outfits? Oh, I love them. Oh, I love them. <laughs> Not enough LED in the world to pull it off, but I love them. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> it would take all the electricity. <laughs> yeah, I do love me a magical boy transformation. 
Oh, yeah. I know. Which I... goes along the theme that we talked about earlier with Sailor Moon. Yes. Yes. Sailor Moon. <laughs> I would have loved like a, like, it would have been too much. But I would have loved like a whole page dedicated to them like transforming into Sailor Moon. I oh, mean, my God. I would have died laughing. But yes. But yes. <laughs> but yes. I mean, if you're going to. I thought we were gonna... trying to go away from the gay stereotypes. But I, I still I know. That's, not, I know. Hey, that's, a, that's I know. an anime transformation. I, in my head, I'm like, if you're going to step into it, step all the way into it. Right. Um, True. Right. No, Don't do it by yeah. half measure. <laughs> but no, they, they it was those are beautiful designs, and I was like, ooh, I I hope we see people that are dedicated enough to cosplay do this because I'm not, mm-hmm. I won't do that. But <laughs> I would love to see someone do that. So. The coloring is just spot on for mm-hmm. those panels. Mm-hmm. Like just the coloring is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Espen Gridingen, they are a fabulous colorist because I mean that's what really makes a lot of this art pop. I mean Lucina was really mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. but the colors really radiate like a lot of power and, and happiness I feel like in this whole issue yeah yeah it does it does give a sort of positive energy to the the events compared to elsewhere in in King and Black where everything is dark and mm-hmm. gritty this is more it, it feels more like a celebration mm-hmm. absolutely well and it, it's kind of that light in the darkness so you had this mm-hmm. really great juxtaposition to position um or you know visual metaphor basically of you know null is black and he's there to just blot out everything and cover everything in darkness whereas these two are bringing light to the universe especially to the alliances so yeah it was a it was a really great um kind of juxtaposition light and dark and to see them also carry that coloring over to the um to the spaceships so when they're when they've got everybody in the resort packed onto all the spaceships and Wiccan just lights them all up so that they look like a lantern um, you know, coming through. I was like, that's freaking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really good. I mean, it really shows how powerful Wiccan truly mm-hmm. is. Because I mean Wiccan is powerful. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be Oh yeah. He's supposed to be, I think, one of the he's at some point he's supposed to be Sorcerer Supreme when he gets older. So it's like, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> we I wanna talk about how um, we kind of glossed over it. We haven't talk about it yet but um the champagne robot was invented by sunspot y'all yes Yes. (laughs) yep well he has he has been staying on chandelier so it does make sense that he would invent something and then sell it to uh the shiar Mm. yeah make that cash right (laughs) hey man you gotta you gotta you gotta do something to make that money and i don't blame him at all like that's a yeah that was a brilliant little bot yeah i want one (laughs) i definitely want one i mean that robot saved hulkling's butt like i yeah i want i want a robot that saves me from um nullified monsters (laughs) right (laughs) and serves me at the same time All right, give me the champagne as well. Right. Um, <laughs> like, but, what else can he do? <laughs> right. <laughs> can it clean my house? Can it clean my right. apartment? <laughs> Like I mean, a Roomba. I, Roomba. A floating Roomba. Just pick up, organize everything, organize my bookshelf, my figures. 
Do all that. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, no, it, it was it was kind of brilliant. It was, yeah, that was just that was so fun, so fun. And that, I mean, Teeny's kind of biased because she is on the the X team, but mm. I love that since the X Men have come more in the forefront, we're seeing them little droplets of them in everything. Like this, mm. we get the Robbie thing, and then at the at the uh, when they go to the front of the hotel, they're like, "Are you part of the X Men?" Oh wait, never mind. Yeah, I laughed so <laughs> hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's like mm, point of contention <laughs> for heroes oh god are, are you one of the are you one of the x-men <laughs> you can see the fear in their face like anytime the x-men show up shit's really gonna go sideways yep yep yeah i mean the x-men uh, fuck shit up they don't they save yeah. people but they also destroy everything right you no know, really some of them do. vacationed there for a little bit and something <laughs> happened and i need that oh. mini series that's oh my god that's right this is supposed th- isn't this where the summers clan decided to go vacation mm-hmm. as well oh, <laughs> the- oh yeah <laughs> now oh my god you know yeah. logan pissed somebody off then oh. <laughs> like oh and then who else was gonna be there if they and they if uh, if they invited you know cyclops gene logan oh and then you know cable and raven did some shenanigans right mm-hmm. and you know rachel's gonna show up like come on you you know that just everybody's gonna be there beast is gonna clog up the pool with the hair <laughs> colossus is gonna be there still being a sad boy <laughs> uh, eternal sad boy <laughs> i love him but he is the saddest himbo ever he is I wonder if he's ever going to get a happy story again. Probably not. It's Duh, just fun I am happy. <laughs> really? Because you don't look it. <laughs> he's never going to be happy like our happy boys, Wiccan and Hulkling. They, uh, they mean, our uh, gabies. Our gabies. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I know because of S.W.O.R.D. we're going to get like some sadness soon from mm. Hulkling and them. Mm-hmm. Because of the end of Empire, we saw, we, got, we saw the first introduction of S.W.O.R.D. You mm-hmm. know, coming to Hulkling and his whole like empire and around him were like defeated and they came to help him so we're gonna get that sadness mm-hmm. soon unfortunately but for right now i'm glad we see them prospering and being seen as good kings and that was my favorite yeah. part of this whole story honestly mm-hmm. yeah just the pure happiness on that like little alien dude's face at the beginning when um hulkling just like yes yes you have our empire's resources and love and affection and he's just like smiling from ear to ear those giant freaking ears it was just adorable when he blessed his farm Oh my god, I'm like, yes! Yes! Thank you! That was, yeah, that was cute. That was absolutely adorable. But yeah, like, overall, I think they did a good job. I was just, I was slightly jarred because it took an unexpected route. But, like, I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate it. Yeah. It was just a little bit different than I expected, but I definitely did not hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like... You know me, I I can be rather hard (laughs) on comics. I'll admit it. I will admit it. I am I am very critical sometimes. But yeah. So no, I will just... say, like, when I'm just going back to talking about how they look just so young, like I'm just looking at like the last couple pages again, and they go from being like teenagers to like 10 and 12 on the last couple pages, it feels yeah. like. Right. And it just yeah. it just felt off. It it just as much as I love the art, it just feels off slightly with how they are drawn. Yeah. Yeah. 
they, yeah. they honestly yeah. look like they're maybe just like freshmen in high school at best. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're grown ass yeah. adults. Yeah, those. I mean, those are. That's one of the things that just that unfortunately took me out of the the issue. The way Hulkling is kind of dematured mm-hmm. a little bit, and then how again, I guess their faces are dematured. <laughs> like it's just we. They. I feel like they wanted to make them, like you said, anime looking young really happy and kind of like uh flase da mm-hmm. but that i mean wiccan's not really flase da <laughs> like hulkling's more flase da but wiccan's like ah <laughs> well and, and in anime there are ways to draw adult characters you just happen to see teenage characters more but there is a sp- very specific way that you draw adult characters and characteristics so that they come across as older and more mature so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it just, it looks like they very much went the anime high schooler route and didn't maybe look so much at um, anime that actually portrays adults in it. So, eh. I mean, it's it, it's a minor criticism, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like what I like Luciano on like a Moon Girl book or a Power Pack book or maybe even Champions because they have younger um, heroes on there. They're not all young, but most of them are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he, he would probably be able to stretch his legs more in those kinds of books oh, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. that he likes to draw. Mm-hmm. I'll agree with you on that, most definitely. So we kind of already did our final thoughts, but let's go through a walkthrough <laughs> of that anyway. I'm going to say, Kyle, what are your like final, final thoughts okay. <laughs> on this issue? So, I mean, I, I thought <laughs> that it was a fun issue i like raven said it kind of went a direction that i wasn't prepared for um but it it wasn't a bad issue and i i liked being able to see what was going on in other parts of the galaxy and i liked the resolution to what happened with talos's crew mm-hmm. definitely, so, definitely agree yeah. what about you evelyn what are your final thoughts my final thoughts is like everyone knows by now listeners and y'all included I'm a sucker for happy endings I'm a sucker for people just being like happy because <laughs> you don't get that especially with Hulkling and Wiccan they've had such a wild ride through the years and seeing them in like this last page just like getting some alone time having just being just together and being happy together even if it doesn't last at least for right now it's some form of happiness that I really hope hope that they keep it because we definitely need more representation of healthy relationships mm. <laughs> in comic books. Yeah. I so agree. I hope that continues. But for right now, I was very happy with these two characters because I just, I love them. I've been loving them for years. I definitely agree with Evelyn. I definitely agree. Raven, do you have any last thoughts you would like to share? <laughs> <laughs> I love that caveat. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, like I said before, yeah, it, it took me in, a, in a, a direction that I did not expect, but that was not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the art was very interesting and fun. Overall, I liked the characters. Some of them were a little different than I had gotten used to, but 
I liked the interplay between characters and I did like seeing that perspective of something outside of, you know, Earth or Krakoa. So yeah, to like get into a different empire for a little while was kind of nice to see and I did appreciate that. Exactly. I definitely agree. I I would have to say since this is basically my second time reading it, I say this issue takes two times reading it to really appreciate it um, because I love cosmic, I love space, and obviously I love gay. So (laughs) this is all the things that I love all in a book so I know I was going to love it either way and I love Timmy Howard so I'm a little biased but despite the little things that I've already said that threw me off I did love this issue in a whole and I have to really agree with like what Evelyn said in the end of the day I'm glad that this ended happy mm-hmm. and that yep. we're seeing them we're seeing them you know coupled together everyone's accepting of them they're finally having their honeymoon moment and like there's no like dun 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 at the end it's just happy yeah. mm-hmm. they're just together and even in like straight, gay, whatever. We don't see that many happy mm-hmm. relationships in comic books. So I, we really need more because people, this it, like entertainment and, inter, in, oof, can't talk. Entertainment influences people. Mm-hmm. So if people mm-hmm. see this happiness and see how happy relationships can be, you know, mm-hmm. in a written form, maybe that will help them as, like see how they can be happy with someone else. And I love that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yay. 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 <laughs> live, laugh, love everyone. 